All right, morning, everyone. Uh, it's uh, Mike's Street, and um, as you, um, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount this, this year. Uh, we actually planned initially to be done by Easter. So, what did we say? Which Easter? Um, but um, we are now Sermon on the Mount from like opening the Bibles is um, Matthew five six and seven, and uh, we're now in Matthew seven already. Uh, near, near the end, which is pretty cool. I don't know if anyone saw on the uh, version app today, the, the verse of the day, like building uh, your life on the rock. Yeah. And it just, it, it fits in so well. Like, I, I love it. every time there's like something on the certain amount, yeah, we're doing that. <laughs> um, but like, it fits in so well with what you're saying just now. We're building our life on the love of Jesus. We're building our lives on the rock. And that's what it is. That's what it means to, to go through the certain amount. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And, um, so the next part that we, we're at now is in Matthew 7, verse 7 to 12. Um, and it's, it's something that a couple of weeks ago, God really touched on my heart, like something here, something profound of us as a community and how he works through us mm. as a community. So I just want to read this to you and, and just listen to... Jesus' logic here, right? So he, he, he would explain everything, he did the blessings, you know, blessed are those, and going through the law, interpreting it in a different way, going deeper into it, going judge and do not, you know, do not judge and you will not be judged, the whole story. And now he comes back to, all right, in your relationship with God, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. But which one of you, if his son asks him for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Right. So, before I move on. So Jesus is explaining here our relationship with God. It's like, okay, if you want something, ask. Jesus is inviting us to ask God. So it's like a vertical component of our relationship. Ask God. Seek God. Knock and it will So you've got this relationship between me and God. And so he says, okay, so look among yourselves. If, if, if you want to give good gifts to your children, like you do it. Like if, you, if they ask for a bread, you're not going to give them a stone. You're not going to give them a rock. You're going to give them bread. And like God is the same way. So our expectation here is like Jesus is saying those things. And then he says, they fall. And our expectation is, okay, they fall. Continue asking, therefore continue seeking, continue finding. We expect Jesus to say, therefore keep on praying and it will be given to you. But that's not what we find. That's not what we find. We find him taking a different turn with his. So, therefore, usually follows on the argument that's been built, right? Yes. And he's now talking about asking and seeking and knocking, and God will provide to you. And then he says, therefore, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. So then it's like, okay, I'm praying for things, and so, so therefore, because um, you will receive, do unto others what you have been doing unto you. And I don't know if it's just me, but the logic doesn't really follow. Is it just me? Is that, that's like, it feels strange. It feels like, okay, do unto others. Like, I'm, no, Jesus, you said I should ask God for things, and now you're telling me to do things. Which just, it feels a bit odd. So, but this is actually super profound, I think. So for that, I'll be... Uh, I need two volunteers. 
two people who can help identify you can stay in the edges of front. I just want to explain this because it's really, really cool. Something profound that I found there. Tristan, Graham, come help me here. Is it really cool? And it really ties in with what Tristan shared just now. And we didn't actually sync up on that. It's actually very cool. Because it's exactly how God works. So, Graham, like Jesus tells Graham, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks will be opened. Know that. Jesus tells you that. He tells everyone else. Which of you, if your son asks you for a break or give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish or give him a stone? So, you, even though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more your father in heaven? Now, watch this. He turns to Tristan. And he says, Tristan, God wants to give good gifts to his children. Do unto others what you have been doing to you. For this fulfills the Bible. Everything that the Bible is about is going to be fulfilled by you doing to Graham what you have been doing to you. That is how God is going to work for you. There is a relationship here. Our relationship with God is directly connected to our relationship with each other. It's not just an individual thing. Okay, God, I'm, you know, I want, I want, I want. It is in this community. It is in going down to Durban. By doing it to others what you have been done to him, that he starts living out the gospel, that he becomes the answer to Graham's prayers. If Graham asks for a community, let's say he prayed for, he needs to find a place where he can fit in, place where he can experience God's love. He prays God, like no one knows about these prayers. But he's praying God, like God, I need your love, I need to experience people who can pray for me. And then he walks in here. And through the church, he finds that love. He finds people loving him as they want to be. And God answers his prayers. There's a, there's a direct relationship. It is a place. <laughs> just want to explain. And it goes, it goes beyond that. It goes, it goes through everything. It goes through looking for work. Like we share it in each other's life. We get to know each other here. That's why we have lunch together after the preaching. That's why. I mean, on the WhatsApp group we say, are you attending uh, church or lunch? It's not really church or lunch. It's, are you attending a preach or lunch? You are attending church. Lunch is no less church than this. Lunch is where we actually get to know each other and where God starts talking with us and working with us. That's, that's why we do it. It's so that we get to know each other and we can be God to each other. And so, Jesus shares this and I think it is it's because that is actually our design from the beginning. It is how we were created to, be, to live. It doesn't mean God doesn't act in our lives supernaturally, which he does. He does provide. But I think his primary way of working in your life through the body of Christ, which is us. In Genesis 1, Jesus usually like, goes back to right at the beginning when he tries to emphasize his talks. In the beginning, God created man and woman. And, and, and listen to this. It's, it's the design notes of, of what it means to be human. Of where to find our purpose. I, I see a lot of you know, the people I talk to nowadays that 
is a, is a lack of purpose, is a lack of meaning. There's so many distractions, but nothing really that guides our lives and gives us a purpose for what we need to do. But if you go back to the, the human design notes, right? In Genesis 1.26, the design notes of what it means to be human. Then God said, let us make human in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So there's two things here. We are made, humans are made, to be like God in this image. We are made in this image. We are made to be like God. And just think about that. That is actually amazing. And God says, I'm making you specifically to be like me. And secondly, you are to rule over the earth. You are to take dominion. So we, nowadays the word has become so negative to dominate. It has become a negative term. We don't actually like to use it. Some of us. Because we've gone so far from being in the God makes us to be like Him. And He does that in partnership. He says, okay, in this space, listen to me, listen to my voice. I'm telling you, do not eat of that tree, but you can eat of any other tree. So there's one rule. Do this. So Adam and Eve live in partnership with God. Whether Adam and Eve was a real or not, it's not the point. The point here is, it was how we were designed to be. In this, this story, in this this, uh, this image that the Bible gives us, there's two humans who are supposed to rule like God and in partnership with God. Right? But, this is actually, it doesn't last long. Because in Genesis 3, we see the serpent. Now the serpent is a creeping thing. God just said, you know, have dominion over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. <coughs> this is specifically designed this way. But there's a creeping thing coming to Adam and Eve. And he says, he was more crafty than any other beast in the field that the Lord God has made. He said to women, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So God's instruction is already being questioned. Page 3 of the Bible. We see humans starting to question God's goodness and God's, God's word. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and listen to this, you will be like God, knowing that in evil. They were already created to be like God. And here, the beast comes to them. They're supposed to dominate the beast. They're supposed to dominate the creeping thing. But the beast dominates them and tells them, did God really tell you the truth? Or is he holding out to you? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was the light to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took up its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband was with her, and he ate. And the, both, the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And so, fig leaves together and made themselves in the cross. So the humans, upon page 3 of the Bible, betrays their design. Who God made them to be, to be like God, and to have dominion over the world, to have dominion over the beast. And that 
is actually where sin comes from. Sin is a churchy word, but it's just us failing to to be the human, the fully human that God designed us to be. God is not holding out on us. He designed humans in a certain way to live in a certain way in partnership with the to live according to his values. Sin is looking away from that. And three things that, that I find here. First is they are, they are to receive what God gives them. Uh, God gives them all, everything they needed in the garden. He gives them wisdom. He gives them the word. He, he gives them instruction. But rather than take what God gives them, they take what they want, what looks good in their eyes. They take what looks good in their eyes at the expense of what God wants. Secondly, they dominate. They don't dominate the beast. The beast dominates them. They're supposed to tell the snake, get away from here. I'm in charge. But they allow the beast to take the place of God to have a voice in their lives. And thirdly, and this is actually the most tragic of all, they question God's goodness and God's version of reality. And they start defining their own version of reality. Jesus, uh, the snake is like, did God really say you're not supposed to do that? No, no, no. He actually, like, he doesn't want you to because he's holding out you. He doesn't want you to be wise. He doesn't want you to rule. He knows if you take over, you will be wise and you will know good and bad. You will be able to define reality for yourself. That's what the snake said. So they choose to define their own reality rather than submitting to God's order of reality. And this is really the tragedy, those three things, the tragedy all through human history. If you read through the Bible, it's a long story. If you read through that, is, those three things just recur over and over and over and over again. Intentionally, the stories in the Bible actually point back to the first humans, how they didn't listen to God, how they define reality for themselves, and how they were dominated by these. And we see the same thing today. The, the state our country is in, without getting too political about it, but the constant load shifting that we have, it becomes a joke, but it, like, it's not right. The issues that we have with our water supply, with our, with our sewage supply, yes. not supply, take away, yeah. <laughs> sewage infrastructure. Um, the fact, I mean, stats is a, but the fact that 30% of the people live below the poverty line, that's not mine. That's not what God planned for us. The fact that we have corrupt officials, the fact that our crime levels are through the it's not, it's not what God intended. That is actually caused by people taking what they want, taking a country's resources for themselves and using it for themselves at the expense of other people. They don't live according to this human requirement of this human design, how this person is. They take, they don't receive from God, they take for themselves what they see. And that causes the, the damage that we see around us. And as a church, we're supposed to, to know this and not be scared of it and know that this is not right. The crisis is going on in Europe at the moment, where two sides are headed. I mean, the biggest European conflict since the Cold War. It's, it's people being controlled by the beast. People not being like God. But people being gods themselves and oppressing and dominating and killing. Rather than serving and loving and healing. That's why you guys are going. You're going to show them a different way. How to serve, how to love, how to heal. You're going to fulfill that prayer. How will you invite to be a community? 
And the identity crisis that's going on in the world at the moment, where it becomes wrong for people to say whether they are a boy or a girl. People are redefining reality for themselves how they want it. They are rejecting God's reality. They are rejecting God's truth of what is right and wrong. And redefining it for themselves. And we see so much confusion and so much pain as a result. It's not right. We see the same three things from the God of Eden right through the Bible to our present day. And that is exactly why Jesus is so different. That is exactly why we follow him. It's not just because we grew up in a Christian household or this is a Christian country so forth. It's because he managed to resist those three temptations. If you look, I mean, we're in Matthew 5 to 7, right? If you look at Matthew 4, what happens in Matthew 4? It's right after his, his baptism, he goes up to the desert to be. What are the three temptations? Firstly, He's hungry. Take what he wants. He's tempted to take what he wants wants, rather than receive what God gives him. Secondly, the beast is trying to dominate him. The beast is here represented by Satan, the accuser. He's saying, bow down to me. He's being presented here with bow down to a different God, to a different beast, rather than submitting to God. And thirdly, he's on the temple and the devil says, jump down, God will look after you. Or the Bible says, God will look after you. And Jesus is like, don't test God. This, good, this version of reality, this version of what is good and bad, I trust in that. I'm not going to test God. I'm not going to question God. Those three temptations, Jesus resists. Yes. And after that, the devil leaves him all moves on, gets his disciples and he moves on Jesus managed to resist all of them. And he lived out this rule. It's called the golden rule. Do unto others that you have in view. There's different theories of why it's called the golden rule. But it is, I listened to a, a, a book uh, about this, and it's practically universal. It is amazing. It's one of the moral codes that is universally accepted, not just Christians. You find this in Israel, you find Jesus probably knew about the Rabbi Hillel who taught this before he said it himself. himself. It comes, you see this in the Leviticus. You see this coming up in Hinduism, Islam, and it's, it's, it's how God created us to be. To love other people like we love ourselves. But because of the corruption in our hearts, because of the fact that we want to rule on our own, we don't want to listen to God. We decide what is good and bad, and so we love other people to the extent that we think is acceptable. But Jesus shows us the way where He, where all the way, you see this in Philippians 2, that Paul writes, it's an amazing piece about it. But Jesus loves so much for other people, loves people so much, that He goes all the way to the cross to die for people. And you know how the New Testament writers describe this? They describe this as a coronation. A coronation of a king, of a true ruler. How to rule? On the cross, with a crown of thorns. Jesus is the ultimate ruler. 
he is the ultimate human that we look for in this He managed to fulfill, to, to stand against the temptations and to fulfill the law and the prophets. That's why he said, didn't come to throw it away. Earlier, we read this in Matthew 5. He didn't come to like, get rid of the law and the prophets. He came to fulfill them. He came to love others as he was in love. Fulfill them in love. And so, we as, children, we as the followers of Jesus are invited to do this with him, to take this further. In Acts 1, we see the Holy Spirit, like the same Spirit that was in Jesus, for the church. And a church caring and loving for each other. It's so countercultural. Starting to love people that they don't even like. And that is what the church becomes. It becomes a place where people from different races, different cultures, different genders, different opinions get together and we choose to love each other. <coughs> because, like us. because through that we serve the body of Christ. We serve God by loving others. So the point is at the same time, while we are serving God, we are also finding God working in us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to love us. He gives us the strength. He gives us the patience. It's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. It is hard. If it was easy, everyone would have done it. It is we're designed that way. It is not easy. But with our trust, we can do this. So as like as a church, we shouldn't like just think we're the same people who are like us. Because you know you're not showing anything. The world is the same thing. Only hang out with people they like. We're not supposed to be like that. So whether you're in this church, in another church, within churches, stop judging other churches. Let's let's meet up. Let's connect. Let's show the world the larger picture of what it means to love. Because at the same time, get this, at the same time, we want to be used by God. We say, God, please leave me. And someone else is saying, God, I need you. God is working through them. Just like we did through Jesus, and just like we did through Genesis 1, he plans to do through the humans, working in partnership with them. And we see that this, this is really what gives purpose to our lives. I don't even know where I'm at my notes, but this is what gives purpose to our lives. And we see this, this is, this is an overarching story. It started in Genesis 1, way before we were born, but God has this plan for humans. And it goes all the way. The last book of the Bible, go to Revelation 21. Let's see. Revelation 21, we see what happens there. 21 was uh, 22. So, Revelation 21 and 22 is John seeing the future, seeing the new kingdom, seeing what it will look like when Jesus is rightfully king. He's already been named king, he's already been on the throne, he's already on the throne, but not everyone is subject to him. But there will be a time when everyone will be subject to it. But just just give this, it's amazing. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street. It's the new Jerusalem, it's the new city, the new world. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life. Where did we see that? Genesis 1. We see the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, legs, fruit in each one. See Psalm 1. The leaves of the tree were of the healing of the nations. 
No longer will there be any curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. We were made to reign. The servants of Christ are made. And the way we rule is by loving others and laying our lives Not like the nations do. I would encourage you to read through the Matthew. I often just read about the world. Read through Matthew. And just see how Jesus lived his life and how he spoke. He didn't dominate. He didn't praise. He wasn't ruled by anyone. He worked in partnership with God. He only did what the Father said. And we are invited to be part of that purpose. And some of the golden rule. Let me just read that. Just read the passage again. Just, just get to this. I think Jesus really putting something on my heart here. How we should lift with each other every day. How we find our purpose. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. You are encouraged to do it. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. For which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is what the Bible is about. The golden rule, that section, the golden rule is not just an arbitrary man-made moral code. Since creation, humans were supposed to rule in partnership with God. With this rule, this golden rule, at their core. We're supposed to learn his voice, to know his will, and to act accordingly. That is why following Jesus, why we get to follow Jesus, and doing unto others what I would have done to me, is the way to be fully human and to live out our purpose on earth. Do this, and you will find lasting meaning in this broken world. For if we live by this law, then we will find God working through us. And at the same time, we will find ourselves serving God. To live this way is to make yourself part of God's overarching plan that started long before we were born and will continue into eternity. So, as we take a bring and come today, as we, as we take this, where Jesus said, do this, and remember to take this, be a part, this is we, we imagine this being Jesus' body and Jesus' life. Know that you are part of Jesus' body, and that you are serving Jesus' body at the same time. When take this, and spend time with Jesus, and recognize that you are part of something bigger. This is not just some, another religion that you, that you tick and you can follow. This is actually the way the world works, and we are invited to be a part of it. Father God, thank you for your work. Thank you for your revelation through Jesus. Thank you for the fact that you that you you provide for our sins. You covered the fact that we are flawed humans. We just follow our own minds. We just want to do things our own way. You gave us the solution. 
You gave us yourself, and you showed us the way. And you're giving us the power, the wellspring of power, to live this way. Well, I pray as we, as we take a break in the cup, we acknowledge your presence, we acknowledge your presence in prayer. That we are part of the body, we are part of your body. Knowing that you are working through to heal the world. We are part of us, but at the same time, you are part of us. Fill us with your spirit today, Lord. 